This week on the main edit, I sat down with Carissa Hill. She started a spray tanning and hair extension business from home when she was just 21 and successfully grew it into a chain of three stores that ran without her in them. She is a Facebook and Instagram ad pro, and she now helps thousands of small business owners double, triple, and even 10 times their companies with her courses and Facebook ad templates. Today, in this episode, we talk about everything from the difficulties and hardships that come with salon ownership to successfully scaling your brand. And of course, we get into Google and Instagram ads. I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to The Main Edit, a podcast that's all about building standout salon brands. I'm your host, Mickey Old, and I'm a small town girl who dropped out of school and built a wildly successful salon brand from the ground up. Head over to mickeyold.com to learn more, but in the meantime, let's jump right in. Hi, Carissa. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I've been a follower of yours for a while now, so I am so thrilled that you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes, me too. Um, So for those uh, in the audience that don't know too much about you, can you give us a little bit of background intro in a bit of background information, sorry, into your journey as a salon owner? And then I know that you're in coaching now and you focus a lot on ads and marketing and that kind of stuff. So if you could give me a bit of insight into your story, that would be amazing. Yes. So I accidentally fell into the hair and beauty industry when I was 21. Before that, I was a massive tomboy growing up, like had no interest in hair, makeup, fashion, girly, anything. I used to ride a motorbike. Um, And one day I got a spray tan and I was like, who is that in the mirror? I look amazing. Like what the hell? Um, I had never like had a tan before in my life because I'm naturally really really pasty white and I was always you know would go to the beach and just be jealous of all the girls that were super tanned um and I just got addicted instantly and was like I need to get these every week because I feel amazing mm-hmm. um I don't remember, even remember why I got it done it must have been some kind of occasion but I just remember that feeling of like I feel great yeah. um and so I started getting them done regularly and then I had the idea pop into my head one day of like maybe I could buy a spray tan kit and do them at home mm-hmm. um and I was working a day job at the time at a graphic design and a signage company and, we, and I was in like you know marketing and branding and um signage and that kind of stuff and so I was like oh I may as well turn it into a little side hustle business if I'm going to do that I had only $800 in my bank account I spent $500 on a spray tan kit and the tent and everything I had a little spare room in my garage and then I just whipped myself up a little basic um, website, MySpace page, because <laughs> there wasn't Facebook or Instagram back then, okay. um, and made myself a logo and just like kind of put it out there. I put it on some free like forums or Gumtree and, you know, those kind of websites um, yeah. and just did a really special price for people to come and get tans done with me. Cause I still didn't really know what I was doing. I was just going to like practice on people for free and kind of figure it out and watched a bunch of YouTube videos and things. Um, 
And it just got really busy really fast. I think yeah. it was very popular in that area. Looking back now, there was no one in my area that did it. Like I had to travel quite a while to get one done. And also because I was in branding and marketing, I was able to make my website look really different to all of the other ones that were out there. And it was like hot pink and um, yeah, I don't know. It just grew really, really fast. And within a year and a half, I was making more money like after hours doing tens than I was in a week sitting at my day job. So I decided to let that go. And then I opened a little salon. Uh Um, I also then started doing hair extensions because same thing happened. I got my own done. I was like, oh my God, I feel amazing. (laughs) I want to share this feeling with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Yeah. And then I had my own salon. Um, I hired someone and then I had the realization of, oh, I'm actually really good at doing the online marketing and the website, social media stuff and getting clients in the door. Um, And I love having someone working in the shop doing the tans and the hair extensions. Yeah. So yeah, when I was only like 22 years old, I kind of had that realization. And then I removed myself from working in the salon as much as I possibly could um, and focused all my energy on the online marketing. And then I opened, uh, my first shop got booked out. I opened a second shop and then I opened a third shop and I just repeated the same process with all of them. A couple of shops I opened and built up and then sold. Um, And then discovered that heaps of salon owners wanted to know how I had done that and fell into coaching because I was like, oh yeah, I'll I'll teach you. (laughs) Let me show you what I did. Seems yeah. like a natural progression for you as well. So yeah, yeah, that's incredible. What do you think was key um, to scaling? Like, and what year was this? So was this like early two thousands? I'm guessing if you're using MySpace. Oh yeah, I started in two thousand and six. So yeah. that was I think Facebook came out in two thousand and eight, and then I jumped straight on that. And I actually started using Facebook ads and boosted posts like as soon as they were a thing. Like no one else was really using them back then um and I just was like I'm going to boost all my posts I'm going to figure out which posts get clients and which posts don't mm-hmm. um and I really feel like boosting posts and Facebook ads was helped me to grow so quickly yeah okay cool and what do you think like were some of the key things for you to scale your business like firstly when you hired like what were some mm-hmm. strategies that you put in place to allow yourself to move away from the floor? And then what were some strategies that you used to scale to multiple locations? Yeah. So the first thing that I did, like, obviously I learned, I learned through my mistakes a lot, like things just went wrong. And then I was like, okay, what can I do to make sure that doesn't happen again? Um, So when I started hiring people, I, yeah, I thought you could just tell them what to do and they would just do it. Um, (laughs) I think anyone who's hired people knows that that's um, not always the case. Yeah. Yeah, I had to learn through a few employees that really didn't do a great job or took advantage of me, you know, stole money, lied, stole clients, started their own businesses, that kind of stuff. And I had to weed through a few um, different people and have my trust betrayed and all of that fun stuff. Um, But once I got through that initial messy period, um, I decided I was going to just take it really seriously and create basically like systems and manuals. And um, I started learning a lot about psychology and personality types as well. And like the type of personalities that I'm compatible with and the type of people that are suitable, like personalities are suitable for different roles. So I started being like, well, if I need someone to be 
bubbly and chatty and customer servicey, then I need to hire this kind of person. And if I need someone to do the cleaning and the routine stuff and the, the follow-ups and this kind of stuff, then I need to hire this kind of person, have the right people in the right roles. That's probably the pivotal realization that I think helped the most. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had to learn a lot about leadership, um, not, so, not necessarily management, but, you know, leadership and people skills um, and psychology and understanding what each team members like why they wanted the job what they wanted out of life what their strengths and weaknesses were and made them feel really um appreciated and valued and respected and so that I got that back from them as well um but once again I learned that the hard way yeah <laughs> made all the mistakes yeah. um but yeah a lot of a lot of what worked the best for me was learning about people skills and psychology, not necessarily the, you know, structure and systems. Yeah, sure. Interesting. Um, so did you have like regular catch-ups with your team? What did, what did communication look like? Yeah. So we did a team meeting once a week um, where I would go in and see each of them. So when I had the three shops, that would be once a week on a Wednesday um, there was also like a group chat that we'd talk about and stuff in there. And then also I had a little form that they'd had to fill in at the start and end of their shift that I would always read and check over because I wasn't in there to make sure that everything was done and they had to check each other off. So yeah. if one person said I did all these things and the next person had to come in and check them off. Yeah. Um, that worked fairly well. But yeah, my like there was no way that I would have got to have multiple shops if I had have stayed trying to work in them mm -hmm. so um the biggest yeah I had to kind of create a lot of different strategies where things could still run smoothly without needing me yeah did you have someone in there that acted as like a type of manager or team leader for you when you weren't physically present yes and no um there was kind of like whoever the main employee was in each shop like my shops were quite small so I usually only had like between two to four girls working in each one and not all at the same time it was usually like two people at the same time and then like kind of rostered around sure. um but usually whoever the main one was that worked the most hours became the kind of manager yeah. um one of them I did actually you know promote to official manager but that didn't work out according like just she didn't have that kind of responsibility yeah um so I actually ended up just making everyone have really clear like roles and responsibilities and yeah and then they just stuck to them yeah how did you manage that performance I suppose like were you just kind of going in like I know that you were catching up with them is that a conversation that you were having with them when you went into the salon um checking in to make sure that they were I don't know following those certain tasks that were laid out for them was that kind of your role like what did your role look like at that point my role um no I don't I, I didn't don't think I really had like clear checklists to make sure they were doing everything properly because I know from a perspective of like being the employee, it doesn't feel good to be checked on or micromanaged and things like that. So 
one of the things that I tried to do was just have a really clear vision for the customer experience. Yeah. Um, so I based their performance on were the customers happy? Were we getting good reviews? Were the clients coming back? Mm -hmm. um, were they, you know, yeah, liking the experience that they had? Was the work being done correctly? Yeah. I didn't really make it too much about the money that they had to earn either because I know I, I basically just treated myself uh, with them as though if I was an employee, how would I, I wouldn't want to be feeling like I had to reach a certain target or tick all these boxes and things like that. And I know some people do like that and some people are motivated like that, but that wasn't what I wanted to create within a business. I wanted the clients to just be happy and feel how I felt when I first had my spray tan and hair extensions done. So that was the whole kind of vision. And then I wanted the team to feel like they wanted to come to work and that they were enjoying it. So um, I'm pretty sure I did have some kind of structure at the time uh, for team meetings, but it's different for everyone's business. And usually it was more of a personal check-in. Yeah, catch up. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Did you have like different? Were you promoting team members? Um, like were people moving up the ranks into different roles? Um, no, I didn't really have the opportunity to do that. Um, when I had my salons, there was like, yeah, they got a pay rise once a year as that happened, but yeah. I didn't really have promotions and. That is one of the reasons why I know now that um, team members don't stick around forever because if they don't have anywhere to grow to, that's when they'll start to get bored and want to kind of outgrow the business. So I did have some that stick stuck around for years and years and years and were amazing and I had some that would just, you know, come in for three to six months and then be like, this isn't for me and off they go or some that would come in and then start their own business and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um but I did have also um, my own wholesale range um, at one point as well where I was selling my own range of hair extensions and spray tan solution. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I could give other people like more work managing yeah. some of the wholesale side as well. Um, and then I did start offering like training as well, which is what a lot of people progress into the industry is like, you know, oh, let me teach you how to do, you know, this and start a business in it. Yeah. Um, so I guess there was an there was variety for my team members if they wanted to take on a different area. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was kind of like what I was getting at with the targets and like performance stuff um, because I know that in hair was something that works well for us and I think like what you touched on before, people needing future. I think that's mm. so integral in today's climate. Um, mm. You have to create that like career progression for people, but I suppose what comes with that is making sure that people are hitting or performing to a certain level to be able to get to the next tier. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that I think that is something. People that... need growth, like in general. Like if ever you get to a point, like even as business owners, if we get to a point where we're not growing and we're stagnant and we don't have any bigger goals to work towards or anything, that's when we get really flat and unmotivated and don't want to do anything. So Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Everything changes. And like with team like coming and going, that's just kind of a given in any industry as well, you know, people mm. come and go for their own reasons. Um, so all you can do is kind of like manage um, what someone's future could look like within your company mm. to a certain degree. But like people are always going to change and move for different reasons mm. as well. Like, so I think, I don't know what you feel um, 
in regards to this, but like, I think you've just got to structure your business in a way that really suits, that really aligns with the purpose of that business or what you're trying to achieve from it and build out careers that way. And then the right people will come in and will grow with you. Um, Mm -hmm. But we'll also, yeah. Yeah. I also just accepted the fact that employees don't stay forever as well, because I've had so many different businesses and I know like, if I just see myself as like, I don't know about you, but every job that I had before I was an employer, I remember every single boss that I had and I learned different things from them. And some of them I really respected and they changed my lives and some of them didn't. Um, I wanted to kind of see myself that way that even if someone came to work for me for a year in my company, like how could I be someone in their life that could like, you know, teach them something or impact them something um but I didn't ever get really like attached to the fact that someone had to work for me forever and that kind of thing um obviously you want them to because it's a pain in the bum (laughs) when they leave uh, and you have to find someone else but then that just becomes a part of the business system so I had you know one time I was traveling overseas and someone quit and I needed to hire someone but one of my employees was able to step in follow the systems to put an ad out there start interviewing someone and she hired someone new while I was away so um yeah client turnover is going to happen staff turnover is going to happen um and I think just being prepared for it and having plans in place is another really important thing as you grow Absolutely. I say that to like people within my network all the time, like documenting everything that you do. Like as soon as you create a system and people will be like, what's a system? And it's kind of like everything that you do. Everything. In- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. So it's a lot of system creation, but like when it comes to recruitment, if you can record how you recruit, where you post job ads, how they're written or indeed like have a script or a job template already kind of written up, you can change a few things, but it's like creating the bones of all of these things far mm-hmm. in advance so that when you're not there, someone can just come along and be able to like handle that for you. So mm. yeah, so, so important. Um, what do you think are some of, I guess, like touching on some of the hardships and so on ownership. Mm. So we spoke about like clients coming and going, teams coming and going. Uh, what are some of like the main things that you feel salon owners are kind of struggling with or trying to overcome at the moment? And how do you think they can best grow and scale? Yeah. Um, just experience over the last couple of years, coaching and teaching a lot. I mean, it's always a lot of it comes down to mindset and thinking, which yeah. comes down to who they are surrounding themselves with and, you know, how much they're working on themselves and things like that. I have always been quite optimistic and I have clients that are optimistic and I don't like to fall into the thinking pattern of everything's hard, getting clients is hard, getting team members is hard. Like I just think, no, there's people out there that want to work and there's people out there that want to buy things. So um, yeah, getting yourself in the right headspace. Like if you're in negative Facebook groups where people are complaining all the time about the industry and stuff, just leave them. Like really, if you want to do well, you have to surround yourself with other people who are doing well and not complaining about everything. Yeah. Um, and also just marketing in general, like it, a lot of it is belief. And I'm sure you see this as well. Like some people just think I'm really bad at marketing or the algorithm's terrible or Instagram doesn't work anymore. And it's it can be really easy to fall into looking at things that aren't working. Um, 
But if you want to grow, you have to be someone that is focused on, no, these are the results that I want. I need to be responsible for figuring out how to get them or getting better at the skills that I lack at or outsourcing them. Um, and also, yeah, I, I just honestly believe that even with the economy, the way that it is and has been and, you know, all of the change, I still was able to grow a multi-six-figure business in the middle of COVID and just because of that thought process and so many of my other clients are crushing it right now just because they're still on top of their marketing, their advertising. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say who you surround yourself with and your thinking patterns probably most important. Yeah. I think that's so, I think that's such a good takeaway, like not having that scarcity mindset. I know that uh, for me, like the first time one of my long-term employees left, so the first ever time that happened to me, I was a mess. Like it always hurts mm. the most. The it's very like a breakup. Like, like you grieve. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. And also just like you want to obviously be so supportive of that person, but it does pose a threat to your business. So it's like being aware of what the threats and the risks are. So it's like, okay, well, you know, social media is a big one when long-term team go or team that have been there for however long, when they take like social media accounts and you'll be like, oh mm -hmm. my God, like I'm going to lose a chunk of my business um, mm -hmm. or like clients are going to go or whatever that is. But something that I've learned now that I've been through it like a few times now, like I'm seven mm -hmm. years in business. I yes. was talking to my um, business partner the other day and I was like, you know, you just, you learn to relax on it because when we look at our like Katoomba software, for example, with our new clients, like we on average see about 20 to 30 new clients a week, which is huge for a hair salon business. Yeah, so, that's amazing. So the um, that anxiety has really dissipated over time because I'm like, well, obviously our marketing efforts are paying off. New clients are always going to keep coming. Like, Yeah, and you trust that it will be okay even if you have a dip because it happens. Like your business always is going to go up and down and change and things. But, yeah, so when you have that dip, if I think that's the pivotal moment, you either freak out and go, oh, my God, no, like I can't. Yeah, or you think no it will be okay we'll build it back up again definitely definitely you realize that that's just part of business it ebbs and flows yeah. and like things change they go down up like it's like around all you can do is like create those strategies to be able to like keep things as balanced and predictable as possible mm -hmm. but um yeah you need to know that things are always going to change but I think that's been a huge key takeaway for me so like that's something I talk about quite a lot like with my okay. students and my friends in salon ownership is like, babe, you've scaled to this amount and like people have still come. So like it'll, it's just a different season, you know, like things yeah, yeah are, are yeah. going to change. What are some, in regards to marketing, because I know that's very much your area and I would mm -hmm. love to like know a bit more about like some of your marketing strategies yeah. and things that you love to implement. Um yeah, for anyone wanting to really elevate their marketing game, what are some tips that you would give them? Okay. Um, <laughs> specifically, like, we're, <laughs> all right, in like in regards to getting new clients or like growing your brand or following or like what kind of direction? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I guess like for Most those want new clients. Same, <laughs> same clients. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what I do and what I feel like I do differently um, to a lot of other people and like why I guess I became successful at it is I don't 
I try and make my marketing, my posts really fun and engaging for the followers and the audience. And because of my love of psychology and buyer psychology and sales psychology and, you know, human behavior and things like that, I really mix a lot of that into my ads that I write and also that I teach because I do write ads for salons as well as teach them how to do it. Um, So examples of that are like instead of writing an ad or a promotion about let's say blonde foils or something like that give it a whole theme around a certain person and around what they want so I would always use real people as my ideas let's say so one example was I had a girl come in for hair extensions and she wanted like a double full head of the longest blondest hair extensions and two coats of the darkest spray tan. And like, she just wanted to be a Barbie doll basically. Now that's not what everybody wants. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to have all your clients want that, but um, it was a beautiful result. And it gave me an idea that, well, if there's one person out there that wants this kind of look, mm-hmm. there's a lot of other people that like that kind of look. So I created a package just called like the Barbie doll package or something and started marketing and promoting that. And then because it specifically speaks to a certain type of person, they are the ones that come out like, oh my God, I need this. And so they buy it. Whereas if you're just trying to sell hair extensions and spray tans without it being like talking to a certain person about a certain result, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't get that much attention. It just blends in with everybody else selling the same things. Mm. Um, So another one that I wrote for a beauty salon just last year, she was one of my clients. She realized that like she was trying to sell eyelash extensions and she had so much competition now and was like, what used to work didn't work anymore. Um, So I was like, well, let's look at at some of your clients now that are coming in. Um, What kind of look do they want? What kind of result that they want? And she's like, well, actually, a lot of people have been switching to lash lifts lately and then she's like even my mum got a lash lift because she can't see she has to put her glasses on and she can't see to do her mascara anymore and da 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 so I was like well, let's do a whole package just for women with glasses or over 50 that want lash lifts because they don't want to do their mascara anymore mm-hmm. and like it went crazy and she got booked out with lash lifts because she was speaking to like one exact person about one exact problem or pain point or desire yes. um So I know like, yeah, a lot of marketing teaches you this, but a lot of people still aren't getting specific enough because they're scared of missing out on all the people that that's not speaking to. So yeah, getting really, really clear on like one result for one person, but then also talking to the person in your writing and in your marketing rather than making it all about the service. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Do you believe in like discounting for new clients? Is that something satisfying? I literally like have been teaching that for 10 years. And um, like the, if you guys, if anyone's seen like the new client voucher kind of template, like I feel like I created that <laughs> so many years ago because I started, I probably didn't, but um, I've been teaching it for that long. It feels like it. Um, but yes, I do because that's how I grew my salons and it works really well, but you have to do it strategically. There's some people that are really anti-discounting and I feel like like I'm I'm pro both ways. There's some things that I don't discount because I know people won't value it and there's some things that I will. 
But I think when you take your ego and your emotion out of it and you look at the numbers, it works really, really well. Some people get attached to like, I don't want people to think I'm cheap. I don't want people to perceive me as discounting. But it's like, well, if you try it for a little while and you track the numbers and you also look at how many new clients did it bring in, how many came back, how many kept paying full price, how many referred other people, like you can add multi-six figures to your business through discounting strategically. But if you just do it desperate, like out of desperation and randomly, that's not the best way to do it. Yeah. I, I'm passionate about that. Sorry. <laughs> like it. I totally agree. Like, I don't think it's dirty at all. And I no. thought that there's like, di- there's this dialogue online now where people are saying, you know, charge your worth and know your worth. I think that's an important headspace. I think that's important to work on that mindset, but it's also super important to not be, to not sit in your ego too much. I guess what you were saying before, like it is a really great marketing tactic, especially for new clients. And if that's what you need, or if you're building up a certain team member or if someone's about to qualify, like I think it's a great way for someone to build their books. Cause like, it's also one of those things where the proof's in the pudding, right? Like people want to have a little bit of a taste test and then that's an opportunity to really win them over and obtain them. So the way that I always looked at it was once again, yeah, putting myself in the customer's shoes. And I was like, okay, so if I was shopping around to get a spray tan done or hair extensions or whatever, and I saw all of these places that were, you know, had all their prices there. And then I saw this one place that's like, is this your very first spray tan? Like, welcome. Yeah. You can have your first one at a discount or whatever. Um, and that gets me in. And then if I love the place, of course I'm coming back. So yeah, the customer experience is really important. Mm-hmm. And also I, th- I think it is a, yeah, it's a mindset or an ego something. Sometimes people get in their head that people that pay discounts aren't good enough customers. And so they treat them that way subconsciously. And then that's why they don't come back. Whereas even if someone's coming to me buying like the cheapest possible thing that I've got available, I'm still going to treat them as if they are an amazing customer that could be worth, you know, thousands of dollars over the years because they'll pick up on that. So I do believe that the energy and the intention that you put into things really matters. Yeah, so important. I love that. Do you primarily work with like Facebook ads or are you kind of across Google? Do you do a bit of both? I do Facebook and Instagram. So I don't, I used to do a bit of Google, but um no, I just stick to Facebook and Instagram now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find it confusing? Because I've like logged in and I'm just like, I don't know what to do with it. No, this. but I'm a super geek. So yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah. but yes, yeah. yeah, some people log in and they're like, ah, too scary. So with those people, I'm usually like, well, you can actually stick to boosting posts. Like, mm-hmm. and this is what I mean. Like there's the same thing with boosting posts and Facebook ads is the same people that are like discount or not discount. Like people get fixated on it has to be one or the other or one's better than the other um whereas the reality is everything works and you just have to pick what works best for you so if you're really really not techie and you log into facebook ads manager and you like freak out then just boost a post every week Mm -hmm. it still works or if one post does well for a week boost it for a month boost it for two months keep boosting it like it's so easy do you find like when people are boosting their posts, do you think it's more beneficial if they um, select like their target audience and how do you direct people to do that effectively? Mm-hmm. So that will depend entirely on what it is that you're promoting. Yeah. Um, a lot of people 
do it the wrong way around though, where they'll think, well, I want to sell this and they'll think about the thing and then they're like, okay, now who do I target with this? So kind of what I was saying before, you want to decide first on who you want to target and then you create some kind of special or promotion for those people. So like with the ladies that older ladies that were getting lash lifts, that was targeted at women, you know, 45 to 50 plus within a kilometer radius of that salon that were interested in eyelash extensions and beauty salons or like, you know, lashes and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, you got to decide first who you want to target um, before creating the promotion, ideally. Definitely. So yeah, I like that idea of like creating some kind of promotion and then using that to like bring in customers as well. I think that's clever. I was listening to a Jenna Kutcher podcast and she was saying like, why not boost or um, create ads around your lead magnet because like you're giving away something for free. So people are going, they're so much more likely to opt Mm -hmm. in for like a freebie than they Mm -hmm. are if you're like, buy my course and it's complete. It's like a cold call, right? You're like, oh "Oh." yeah. (laughs) I've been coaching now for 10 years and like, no nobody really comes to you just cold and be like oh I want to sign up with you like it does happen occasionally but most people find you through something free they follow you for months and then they might buy something small and then they'll upgrade eventually yes definitely um that was another thing I can't remember where I heard that there was someone else that I listened to uh it was a guy in marketing and he was like have different tiers of services or products. I think he was like selling online products, but he was like, you know, you have the entry level that's Mm. free. And then Mm. the next one that's like really quite cheap. And then it like gets more and more expensive, but this is like a journey that you're taking your customers on. Like they have to, they're so likely to opt in for the free thing. And then they might be tempted to buy a really low price point service or like, I don't know, to trial, to test you out. Right. And then- you just keep funneling them through until they become a full-blown fan and want everything from you. So I've got some clients that have been literally like working with me for eight to nine years, just because I keep coming up with, you know, coming out with new things that they need and they just stick around. So I've always seen that as, and that's, that's one of the other reasons why my salon business grew so fast was because my main priority was keeping clients, not just getting new ones in. And I think, that's one of the biggest things that I teach now. So many people come in like, I just need new clients. I need new clients. I'm like, yeah. where are they going though? 100% because <laughs> because if they're not coming back, new clients aren't going to fix the problem. <laughs> Your problem is that you have this like leaking bucket. And I did a whole short course called put the damn plug in because <laughs> I'm like, they're trying to fill a bathtub with the plug out of like, nothing exactly. you do is going to work if we don't put the plug in. So yeah. we need to focus on client retention. That's such a massive thing. Cause it's the same with socials. Like, I've done a couple of podcasts on this where I'm like, we're all spiraling. And I was so guilty of this, like just posting, posting, trying to get new people in, new people in. And then I was like, Oh, hang on. Cause like a couple of years ago, we did like a business retreat at the start of the year. Um, and they were, it was the year that we were like, okay, let's really get focused on our targets and where, how we're performing as a salon. And we looked at our retention and in that year, it was like at 37%. It was so low because we had just become so reliant on the online booking system that we'd be like, you can just book online when you go, no worries, see you soon. And then would literally leave like, forget, no, I would never do it again. Never do it again or, yeah, we'll do that. Um, 
So it's there's been sometimes like from from the customer perspective of a salon or whatever that I they didn't rebook me and I never went back just because yeah I forgot or I left it too long and then I was embarrassed yeah. to go back or something like that. Whereas if they had just rebooked me or reached out even like, like yeah. a month later and be like, hey, do you need another appointment? Like yeah, it would have been easy. So little things like that yeah. make such a big difference such a big difference and it's like what's the point in spending 12 hours on Instagram doing you know or on TikTok doing dances or fun creating videos <laughs> when it's like you're not actually retaining the people you have like you can actually yeah. go to bed at a reasonable hour and not have to worry about all of that because because you sent out a couple of messages or yep so like the old school is the best honestly <laughs> I just feel like we're so overwhelmed with all of these different platforms and all of these different things and sometimes like and people are craving like connection as well like everybody's feeling lonely and you know things like that so um yeah going deeper instead of wider is sometimes the better strategy I completely agree do you fully like endorse email marketing like what's your thoughts on like email and text campaigns and stuff like that I love it when it's done well, but if people are just sending a monthly newsletter because they think that they have to or just automated text message reminders, um, yeah, they can work, but not as well as if you do it manually um, on purpose, like in a sense of wanting to connect with someone. So basically exactly what we're speaking about. Like I used to send emails out. Um, I never sent like, you know, generic newsletter templates or anything for my salon, but I had this thought one day where like, I, I think I got one from a business that was just like, this is not talking to me at all. It's talking all about the business and like, it, it doesn't benefit me. And so yeah. I had this thought of like, well, if they had have actually just sent me a personal email saying like, Hey, Carissa, haven't heard from you for a while. Like, how's your hair going or whatever I would have just been like oh wow cool so I just did that and I wrote an email out to one client but then sent it out to 4,000 mm -hmm. um, and I got so many responses because everyone felt like I was just starting a conversation with them um, so yeah and the same thing goes with text messages I used to we'd automate some of them but still with the follow-ups it all try and I got my girls to do them manually because it worked better and the clients preferred it so yeah. it didn't take that long yeah, definitely. Where I'm about to look at, I don't know if you've heard about Reach AI. They've partnered oh, with Katumba. Um, it, it looks really cool. So it's like a, it's AI technology, obviously, and they'll send out. So with your lost clients, it will identify who that person is, what service they were in for last, how long it's been, obviously, since they were in last, what stylist they saw, and it will send them like a personalized message that says something. Oh, so cool. Hey, Janine, we haven't seen you, blah, blah, blah. Um, Erica has an opening for this Saturday for a half head of highlights. Like we think you're due. It's so epic. I was like, this is. This is what AI needs to be used for. I feel like, like, yeah, it's, it should be like a little personal assistant, but keeping it personal. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. So it, it looks really advanced. I'm so excited to switch that on because because That's of like really cool idea. how many people we have coming into the salon every week now, it's a yep. lot for our front of house to be on top of all that stuff as well as like answering emails or phones or like all yeah. of that. So um yeah, that's super exciting for us. I would love to like share with the audience some of the services that you offer, your courses, mm -hmm. um, your ad creation stuff. Like 
where where can people work with you and yeah where where can they find you yeah so probably the best place to go would be on my instagram which is carissa hill coach um and my main program at the moment is called peace love and profit and that's where you get access to yeah trainings on how to write ads that get clients um keep clients coming back and also hundreds of ad templates that i've already written for the hair and beauty industry that people can copy paste edit and use um everything that i do with social media is designed to actually make a profit and make money not just like captions for the sake of engagement like that's all important as well um but i feel like you need to have like i'm a big advocate for always having an ad or a boosted post running that's bringing in leads constantly not just organic stuff so um yes for anyone that's interested in actually advertising and bringing new clients in um go to my instagram and have a look in the links there you're the girl yeah i saw a post of yours recently where you were like i put a lot of effort into my posts because they're intentional like i'm not here to post willy-nilly yeah. kind of thing and i was like that's so true I yeah love- i wrote i'm like i treat my instagram posts now as if i'm being paid two thousand dollars to make them because sometimes like i'll do a post and i'll make two grand yeah so (laughs) why would I not yeah and if I'm not going to boost like I'd literally create think about all my posts as like would I boost this would I spend money on this if not it's not good enough yeah yeah I I was like I need to write that down and yeah because it's so true I feel like we're posting just because we feel like we have to yeah and it's just not that strategic it's not strategic at all so if you create that strategy and then if you create a bit of a flow of how you want your Instagram to look, but also like, what's the bigger purpose of this? Then Mm. it takes so much of that stress and spiraling out of it for sure. Do you, um, do you, or have you in the past like promoted posts or advertised to find staff? Um, no, yes and no. I usually find my own staff just through my audience that I've already grown like even when I had my salons a lot of my staff came from like I'd send it out to my customers and be like hey we need a new person do you know anyone who's a hairdresser or a you know beauty therapist or whatever and usually someone would know someone and they'd come from there otherwise I did advertise on Seek and Gumtree um but usually not Facebook ads and boosted posts I have helped clients write Facebook ads and boosted posts but I always tell them as well like don't just rely on that put them out on Seek and Gumtree and like post in a Facebook group or talk to your clients and things like that as well yeah definitely um Facebook one is such a good good tip actually I think that's a great way to find team members is on Facebook groups for sure Mm. yeah yeah cool um thank you so much for chatting with me I I feel like we covered like a lot of really good tips for people so I hope they hopefully it's helpful yeah I think so for sure like there's so many impactful things that you can just give so much good advice by being like clear and concise and quick like that's kind of my vibe so I yeah yeah thank you so much I'll put your Instagram link and your um course and everything that you have on offer put that in the show Mm -hmm. notes Mm -hmm. but yeah I appreciate you being here today thank you so much for taking time out of your Tuesday yes thank you all righty I'll chat to you soon okay have a great day